On this episode, the Knicks lose the lottery, Michigan is searching for their man, Lil Penny strikes big on the recruiting trail, and we are joined by the Cushing Academy head men's basketball coach, James Cormier. Give me that green light. Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 42 of the Greenlight Podcast. It's POC and Ian back for a uh, somewhat of an off-season episode. Never Basketball never sleeps. Basketball, yeah, basketball never but, stops. It's true. And it's true. Our, and Ball's life. I, I tell you what, I don't know if this is the first topic we're going to start with, but this is something that definitely awoke me. I was walking on the street on my way to work. I get a notification. And I, ha- I think I have, I, have, uh, I have tweet notifications on for Adrian Wojnarowski yeah, just yeah, because yeah. Any, 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 any Woj bomb that comes across. Come Gotta have and it. And we're, uh, we're walking across this. I'm walking down the street, and I look, and I say, see John Beeline, and I see Cleveland Cavaliers. And I was like, wait a second. Let me, uh, Those two things don't go together. Wait, 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 what? And I read it. I think I quote to her like, wait, what? Because that was my initial thought that John Beeline has agreed to a deal to become the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we're we're both big John Beeline fans. On Love podcast. him. He's fantastic. He's unbelievable. Like I mean, besides, I think he's like in that second. Just because he hasn't won a nat- natty chip, you know what I mean? Like you got the Two guys that have all won. Yeah. That, but he's he's probably like the first of the second class of coaches that yeah. haven't won. He's no, like could be like top three. If, no. if he's not first, he's top three. He's in there. He's you know definitely I mean? in there. And like I think first, I mean your opinion on. What do you think was the biggest factor for him leaving? Which is a pro- a, obviously a great situation in Michigan, where the basketball program has been way more successful he's, than football. He's done an unbelievable um, Why do you think he made the jump? I think uh, he is close to retirement. Um, two things. I think, one, he's getting closer to retirement, and he wanted his last challenge, so why not? Um, he's been literally every level. Yeah, he's like been every, every level. level. He's been a head coach his entire career. It's like the greatest stat about him. Um, and then I think... Look, man, everybody's kind of got their – like, he wants the challenge, but everybody's kind of got their price, and, like, they called, and maybe he never – it was never on his radar ever, and then they throw that money at him. Yeah. Not that he needs it's, it, no, but – No, it's not. And it's interesting because, like, he went through the process last year with the Pistons. Yeah. And everyone thought it was kind of just a formality. And it turns out, I think, that there's real interest there. And some people are putting it to the fact, like, oh, he was – Tired of players coming and leaving. I don't know how much of it of that That's it was. That's not change that much in the NBA. I mean, nowadays rosters get like overhauled every year. Exactly, and so I don't know. Obviously, they they're losing Matthews, they're losing yeah, yeah. Poole, they're losing Brasdikas, but at the same time, like they've lost plenty of guys over the years, and he's made them a consistent winner. I'd say they're probably. Outside of Michigan State, it's probably Michigan State and Michigan are, have been the two most consistent teams, yep. at least in the Big Ten. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't know if, if that everyone say, oh, he's tired of one and dones, he's tired, like, and he just wants to get away because he's such a clean coach. I don't think that's it. I think probably opportunity arose. Um, he saw a, a really an opportunity to take his system and take his ideas and and do it at the highest level. Now the thing that's going to be interesting, and we talked about this on the pod before. 
he has his own complete terminology. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And donuts it, it's and an, dips and the exactly. Whole thing. I think he call yeah he calls it down screen donuts. Yeah, yeah. What we call something uh, a basically like a post up for for um it was like a white ho- a white no, Hawaiian because he was a, a big tall white guy tall on an white island or by something. himself. Yeah, 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 and yeah so it's like, amazing. The White Hawaii. Is, White Hawaii. Are these NBA guys? And like I'm sure obviously the rookies will probably and the young guys will adjust more than something. All right, and Cleveland has a young roster. But like will guys adapt to that, to his own terminology? And will he ad- or will he adapt to a more ball screen oriented offense? Uh without even getting into the strategy, I don't think he can come in to the NBA using his own. Because I think guys are just used to especially Vets, right? Like I think they're just more used to what the NBA terminology already is. Yeah. So I don't think he can bring everything he ever did over. Um, but again, man, I think back to the, why he left. I, I just think he wanted a new challenge. That's it. I, I think that's what he was looking for, and he's certainly going to get it with the Cavs. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't no, think they're in any position to win right now by any means. I mean, you just take one look at the roster. There's lot to be desired there but I mean you look at his career path and and I was it's probably been spoken on every basketball podcast or anything in the media 1975 to 1978 Newfane High School 1978 to 1982 Erie Community College 82 and 83 Nazareth New York 83 and 92 Lemoyne uh, alma mater of James Cormier who we're about to talk with 92 to 97 Canisius 97 to 02 Richmond 02 to 07 West Virginia 07 to 19 Michigan 19 present now, Cleveland Cavaliers. He's got two Final Fours, two Big Ten regular seasons, two Big Ten tournaments, uh, championships, an NIT. I mean, one Big Ten coach of the year, um, one CBS Sports National coach. I mean, he's done like – I don't say he's done everything except win a title. At, and he's like – obviously, Michigan, he spent the longest time at Michigan. That's probably what's interesting. Everything else was five-year stints. West Virginia, five years, five years, five years. Lemoyne, nine years. But like – I think he signed a five-year deal with the Cavs, and so maybe he just sees, all right, this is the last step on my uh, mark. Um, but I mean, good, good for him. Yeah, um, it's, no doubt. Uh, it's I mean, this, be interesting to see. To your point, the Cavs roster, uh, yes, it, it it needs help. Um, you I got mean, some big you, contracts. What do you do with K Love? What do you do with Jr? Do you let, let him go? I mean. Stauskas now he gets the coach's guy. That's pretty cool. And he did. They did. Uh, I believe who they they hired as an assistant. It was a longtime NBA guy, um, Bickerstaff, JB Bickerstaff. JB Bickerstaff, yeah, um, which there. I think is a big time NBA assistant. Um, and, and really, probably what's needed. You need a seasoned guy, I think, on yeah. that staff. I think that probably makes because the one thing that's interesting, and we you look at these top college basketball coaches of who's done well, who hasn't done well. Patino was okay with the Knicks at first, and it was horrible with the Celtics. Horrible with the Celtics. Calipari was horrible with the Nets, Nets. and he credits that to doing too much on the GM side of things, and he really should have just stuck to coaching. Okay. So Brad Stevens, who has been good. He's been, like, the best one, He's probably been the best one. And then – but then even then, it's like some guys are calling it all. Maybe he doesn't want – like – we're, and then, um, even just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think who, which other guys. I know, we, I'm pulling it up right now. Here Let's we see. go. Oh, Billy D. And so that's an interesting Billy one. Billy D, which. He's, he's, he's 199. Which uh, people are th- we're throwing out from probably Michigan. If he wants to get I out, know. he could take, take Michigan. I know. Fred Hoiberg, that was didn't tough. Do great. Yeah, did do um, great. It was quick. Yeah, I mean. Reggie Theus. Like, yeah, Reggie Theus, no, not Mike good. Mike Montgomery, Leonard Hamilton, niche. Bad, yeah. One year. 
To oh, no, two years. Two years two for years. Wizards. He went yeah. Miami, Wizards, Florida State. Lon Kruger, Kruger Tim, Tim Floyd, Patino, Calipari, Carlissimo. Carlissimo would be the longest he, tenure of probably any of those guys. Yeah, and those he, are all the college to NBA guys that yeah. have their start there. It's, yeah. not, it's not a long list, which is no, interesting really when you think of like just the nature jump. of basketball and how many good coaches we equate to like in college basketball. I know. And there are either so many that are either afraid to make the jump because of the failings of others, or it, it seems to me it's, it's like oh, it's so almost a natural different. progression. It's just so like, different. Look at, co- well, look at college football. Cliff Kingsbury wasn't really, wasn't good as a college football coach. And now he's an NFL head coach, I know. but you don't see that no. like you do. And so it is interesting, but I mean, now, where does shifting back to Michigan? Where yeah, does, where do they go? Where does it go? And I think initially we said, I think I texted you that even I, I saw the name out there before even realizing who the search firm was. Said Ed Cooley would be awesome, for fantastic, this job. Yeah. incredible, perfect spot. Turned out the guy that was running the hire or running the search firm um, name is uh, Dave Filippo, uh, former athletic director at Boston College. While Ed Cooley was an assistant there, was running the fir- is running for the search for Michigan, and I was like, oh well, that makes sense why that name's coming up. Um, some of the others, I, I mean, everyone was throwing everything from Brad Stevens, Billy Donovan out there. I think that got washed away quickly, and then I think those names got down to essentially Cooley, Jawan Howard, who is an assistant right now with the Heat since his after his playing days. As well as Luke Yaklich, Yaklich yeah. with, uh, and then I, I think they kind of ruled out. Um, that, that was the, the three assistant. right oh, there. Oh, and then Laval Jordan, who is at uh, Butler, who former, and so it's it's. But then now it's really turned into. Now Ed Cooley today gets an extension, and yep. I'm guessing probably hopefully a big raise. My at my big question was. Was was this an, a great finesse move? Because you really only get one of these as a head basketball coach. You only get one like, hey, this other place wants me. Give me an extension. Give me more money. You don't get too many of those. I, I would say one, maybe two, depending on how much you're winning. Yeah. So was this an Ed Cooley finesse of the century play? Or did Ward Manuel get too much pressure not to hire a Michigan guy in Juwan Howard, and they're going to announce tomorrow that, hey, Juwan Howard's coming home. Yay. I, I I can see it going either way. It's interesting to think about it that way maybe because it could, or it could maybe it's both. Honestly, it could, know? yeah. And honestly, like there's a lot of things that um, try, is Providence a state institution or is it private? Is Providence is it public or private? Private, private. Damn, because I, I was hoping we could get maybe a uh, oh, a Cincinnati <laughs> email leakage like the, uh, no, the Mick Cronin emails of the negotiations uh, between the new contract. But um, either way or not, I mean, I, if you don't know, I mean, Ed Cooley's a Providence guy. Yep, I mean, he was grew born, up in born and grew up there. Yeah, um, down the road, and, and so like it is home for him. But that isn't saying that he wouldn't leave for a big time job. And I thought this was like this one was, of it the, made sense. Like it made it a made ton sense. of sense. I think he would kill it. There are some people I think that I don't say they're trashing him, but they're like, "Oh, what has Ed Cooley done?" And it's only taken I think five straight five straight NCAA tournaments when they had been twice yeah. in the past two decades. Yeah, yeah. And so, if you watch them, I mean, he brought in Chris Dunn, he's, he's brought in bigger recruits, he brought in Paul O'Connor. I mean, just look yeah, at, yeah, look yeah, at, yeah. Look he's at, done a ridiculous, he, and, a ridiculous. And, job. and obviously, his personality, I think, it's so infectious, and especially yeah. so like that. I mean, you put him next to Jim Harbaugh. I don't think that he'd be – he's not afraid. He can take the – I don't say the backseat to football, yeah. but I think he would also recognize, like, I'm going to have my program. We've built it this way. Football's football. But, like, it's going to keep the guy – I think it would be an energizing hire. Juwan Howard, though, with them, it's, he's a Michigan Complete, man. Yeah, he is Michigan. fab five. Yeah. And I, what um, he lacks in, I think, coaching experience – 
he has in playing experience and then the Michigan fans' hearts. Now, I think the biggest thing that he has to do if, if he does get this job is he has to put a great staff together, kind of like Penny did. If you're going to go – if everyone thinks, oh, because Penny just bring, – bring, we'll talk about more. Penny's bringing this top recruiting class. It's not going to work if you don't have a staff behind you that knows what they're doing and is going to hit the ground running. It can't be – you've seen the failed, the failed NBA guys like Mullen that didn't put the effort in. Yeah, and you Had can't – yeah, exactly. That's, that, and, and I don't know if you even saw this. I just saw this. But former um, NBA coach Sam Mitchell is no longer on the Memphis staff. So before we even get into this yep. uh, this recruiting class, um, I, I don't know. I mean, well, I don't know what happened there. There's obviously got to be more to the story. Um, and even if you follow, if you're not following, go follow Coaching Changes on Twitter. Uh, but somebody, they said, a connected source slid into our DMs and told us this was going down about a week ago when we didn't believe it. it has to be a backstory. So who knows what happened out. with that? Yeah, who but knows? You ha- but you look at and it's the, the reverse. We just talked about college guys going to the NBA. You look at the NBA or the player side of guys coming down. And, I mean, look at Patrick with Georgetown. Look at... I mean, there's there's multiple. You have to have a good staff, and you have to be motivated. Yeah. And Jawan Howard, I think, I would hope he would be motivated to take over Michigan basketball. I, I I've only heard good things. There's nothing negative about it. You would think, but it scares me a little, to be honest, from my yeah. point of view. And like Luke Yaklich, like who knows if you, Luke Yaklich is is ready to take over the program? Everyone knows or he he's, could stay. He's like great. that could be your he's guy. The great, like he turned Michigan into a from a poor defensive team into like. The past few years, like that was, they were a rock steady defense. Yeah, and so like that's his thing, and I, it will be interesting. I mean, it, it, that's probably honestly might be the best move if you bring if you bring in Howard, just give Yaklich more him. money and keep Yaklich. Keep him because I, I think that is the move. Then you his go get name, two other guys. It's just interesting because his name had come up with other like he came up with like the Ohio job. Yeah. He come up with like yeah. more mid major jobs. And then it's like, all right, well he's he here. Does, does a good he ready job. for? Is he ready for this step? Yeah. We'll see, but I'm sure. Shoot, maybe even by the time this podcast is out tomorrow morning, we'll yeah, exactly. we might even have Michigan up, may updates, have their man. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see. Ward Manuel, I think, what was it his only his only college his only basketball hire was Ollie was Kevin Ollie at because um, Skinner was already there when he was at when he got to BC. I think because yep. he got to BC in like '97. So Skinner his was only there. basketball hire has been Left Kevin Ollie, which was almost like a forced like kind of yeah. I think Calhoun said, "Hey, buddy, this is what's happening." <laughs> this is what's happening. And so I mean, wait, because he didn't even get to hire Hurley because mm-hmm. then by then he left for Michigan. Yep. So this is it. This It'll is be interesting. One. This is how you make your mark as an AD. And, yeah, this uh, is it. It'll be very interesting to see. Um, I mean, obviously, really quick, just want to go over the number one recruiting class in the country now, um, including a transfer. I mean, obviously, it doesn't ever count, but yep. forgot about Rajon Tucker, um, which is... Take a step back first. And we talk about Memphis, like, to Tubby Smith. So this, Memphis has gone, the progression to get to this point, where Memphis, we all, we knew there were going to be, like, good kids coming from, like, obviously, James Wiseman has been pegged as a top recruit. But yeah, obviously, Pastner was there. Pastner was kind of like feeling the heat. Gets Georgetown. It was kind of I want to say a lateral move because I think Georgetown or I mean Georgia Georgetown. Tech. Georgia Tech yeah, is yeah. a great job. Uh, he just hasn't done well. Gets Georgia Tech. They bring in Tubby Smith, which is kind of an odd fit. But it's like, hey, you know, make work. Tubby Smith gets two years, and it's like, no, we're bringing in Penny. And granted, Memphis. I think Memphis is an awesome, actually, underrated job. I mean, they play in an NBA arena where the fans care probably more about Memphis than they do about the Grizzlies. 
Um, they probably do. I mean, I'm dead serious. They we played there do. my junior year at Ohio, and it's people what like, Calipari did and to it was them, packed though. to the brim, and they're like, "Yeah, tickets." People like will go to Memphis games because they have that. Like Grizzlies came what like a decade ago, a little over like yeah. 15 30 years ago, and yeah. so. People have that passion for Memphis basketball. There's a good crop of kids coming out that Penny had been coaching. Yeah, exactly. But now he's stepping outside of those kids that he was coaching. He's getting and he's you can run and run dudes. through them yeah, from I mean, literally all over the place. Obviously Weissman, he's from Memphis, but then Precious Achua committing is was huge. That really put it over New, the top. New York kid that went to Montverde down yep. in Florida. Absolute like very raw, talented kid. But I mean, six nine, two fifteen is ranked fifteenth, fourteenth in the country. Yep. The the crazy one was obviously uh, Boogie Ellis um, decommitting from Duke and then immediately going to Memphis. Crazy that he said he didn't want to. He just didn't think he was going to play a lot, maybe because Trey Jones was there. But he's going to a loaded, loaded class. I mean, I get no maybe one really thinks, plays truly his position. I, I guess. Think that, and I think maybe he thinks he'll just have a longer leash at Memphis. Like, yeah. I think if he, like, he could get buried at Duke. Yeah, he could. But I think he, everybody at Memphis is kind of in the same boat. Like, it's not yeah, like yeah. Trey Jones where it's like, Coach no, can trust Trey this Jones. Is the guy. Yeah. And if he gets behind anybody else, then he's screwed. At Memphis, I feel like they're all in the same situation where if he doesn't play well, well, maybe Lester Quinones doesn't play well, and they're all in the, and they're just going to figure it out. Yep. Yep. But DJ Jeffries was a Mississippi huge one. kid. Flipped, I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think he was supposed to be Kentucky, I want to say, maybe, and decommitted from Kentucky, and then it was between Memphis and Mississippi State. Um, I believe that was the that was the the, the path he took. Um, but could go down a little bit to his uh, timeline. Where is that? Um, he opens, reopens, visits, loading. visits. Yeah, that I'm was just... after. Yeah, but it was after. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was a he was a Kentucky guy. Yep, uh, decommits from Kentucky, Kentucky July right. 30th. So that was last year. You are correct, um, sir. After basically after Penny gets the job and then flips him from Kentucky, um, Malcolm Dandridge, Dan Berg, basically just they're going to be super young, but they're going to be super, super, super talented. Yeah. And then the kid from Arkansas, Little Rock. Um, yeah, Rajon Tucker. Shout Ooh. out, shout out, Matt Wise. Um, yeah. Grooming, dude. grooming him for for Penny. Dude, Rajon was a beast. He, I think he transferred twice because he went to Florida Gulf Coast. Yep. Then he went to Little Rock. Yeah, I remember that. He was a beast coming out of Atlanta. So they're going to be talented. They'll be a top ten preseason team. Talent alone, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, no they're they're good. And the thing is, Penny's shown. I think Penny can coach. I think Penny. Yeah. And obviously, they've got a staff to, or spot to fill now on the staff, yeah. uh, which, which is interesting. Um, late, late. But Mike Miller, I mean, dude, now everyone, Mike Miller has been a coach for like a year, and everyone's already saying, oh, Mike Miller, like, be a head coach. So, like, Where's he, he a must, coach right now? He's in Memphis. Mike oh, Miller's in Memphis. I was say, and I was so like, people, are sa- people are saying, they're like, I mean, that, that turned out to be an awesome hire. They're connecting so well with these kids, and then now they just got to put together on the floor. And it's a, obviously, they're in a winnable league, they're in the American. They should easily win the American. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's cool. I, I like it. I mean, obviously, many, yeah, it's awesome I, to see. everyone kind of expected it. Uh, like everyone expected him to get some of the, his own guys, but like now it's just like, he's beaten out other like big time. He just took Boogie Ellis from Duke. He took, Wild. he took the guy from Kentucky. He flipped the guy from Duke. And he flipped the guy from Kentucky. Goodman, Goodman tweeted it. And then he got the number one kid in the country. Goodman tweeted it a couple, maybe a week ago at this point. But he said the most feared guys on the recruiting trail right now are still one, Krzyzewski, two, Calipari, and three, Penny. I'm not going to lie. You see Penny walk in, you're like, I'm not going to lie. Going to those EYBL events last year and seeing Dude, there's just it's not an or is not the right word, Swag. but he really does because he's rocking his own phone posits, his own shoe. 
He's got the dope. He's got a sleek sweatsuit. Where all these guys like they and walk around like you know, and you know, it's like oh wow, that's Penny Hardaway. Yeah. Like and we, I mean, y'all, these kids like I was, he wasn't playing when these kids like these recruiting knew it, but like his name goes far. Yeah. Like his name, is, it's everyone they know Penny. Of uh, probably even more than they would know uh, even some better players. So yeah, no doubt. It's, um, it, it's interesting to see. Last no thing doubt. I want to touch on though. Yeah, last thing we, we were got, there. Yeah, we got the chance to go to the uh, the Knicks draft lottery party. Um, ended in sheer disappointment. Obviously, not getting the number one pick. Here's the thing, Knicks fans. It could have been way worse. You could have not been in the top three. To me, there's three like beasts in this draft. Um, and you're going to get one of them. So, and it's looking like R.J. Barrett. He, he should be perfect for you guys. Um, obviously, everyone's super disappointed. You get, did not get the number one so that you could take Zion. Um, we're going to have a whole episode going through, you know, who we think we'll will be. Draft. Yeah, we'll do our mock draft. But to me, the weirdest take out of all of this is Zion going back to Duke. What are people talking about? Dumb, Why was it was it Windhorse that like started that notion? Someone and because I, I saw a video of Windhorse like saying it, and Richard Jefferson is just there shaking his head like, like what, what is are this you dude talking saying? about? Why would kidding? he go back? And, and uh, Griffin in New Orleans, the GM said it was like I don't know where this notion came from. Like we've spoken with Zion and Ja, yeah, and they're both like both would be excited to come. Here. They might actually get both of them. They like or they could get like there's chances where like. Not only are they going to get Zion, they could get Zion and RJ. Or That's Zion what I'm saying. It's like, where do you, like, where does AD now go, and where, what do you, try, are you trying to trade, like, are you trying to trade and basically take an entire roster? Because you can get, you can get six players for Anthony Davis. Like you really can. Are you trying to build that way, or do you go get like one or two superstars from the Celtics? Not superstars, but you know what I'm saying. Maybe you get Hayward and Tatum, yeah. and the Celtics are willing to do that and a bunch of picks, whatever. I don't know. Which way do you go? It's interesting to me, too, because with Griffin being the GM, there's not many guys. Well, first of all, New Orleans has all the leverage now by getting that number one pick, Unreal. which is crazy. But Griffin, when you think about it, Griffin was in the situation when LeBron came back, they had the number one pick. They took Andrew Wiggins, and he flipped that for a veteran Kevin Love. Now it's like you've got the veteran that wants out. Do you flip that for the young guy? And do you like people saying, do you pair RJ and Zion together again and just like let it ride, run it back? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's it's gonna be really interesting. Obviously, Zion goes number one. I think it's a natural fit for Jada, unless there's movement in a trade for Jada go number two, and then eventually they can then they can trade Mike Conley, who they kind of put on the block a little bit last year, anyways. Um, I think RJ, I, the Knicks can't get cute. Like they, they can't get in front of that. You have to take RJ if just you stay it. there. That's it. Take just RJ. Take you figure it out. Like. Go from there, Just like, and then if you sign your free agents, sign, great. Yeah, like, and you gotta and go out very, the market and get them. That's it. Go get I mean, KD or just get one of them. I, just, I don't. I still don't think they're gonna get two, but just get. one I don't know. I. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see um, where free agency shakes out. But you can't mortgage your draft. You can't draft on based on fit if you don't have guaranteed of what that fit would would fit into. Yeah. So like, you take the best available just player through the next. You're the worst record league. And then it's interesting. I mean, the Lakers moved up to four, which is... Here's the thing. Is tanking over? In some degree. I mean, it's like... It didn't work. It really didn't. And, like, when you think about it, when you really look into the numbers, everyone just thinks, oh, the Knicks have the worst record. The percentage of the Knicks, like, not having a top... Or having, like, the fifth pick was just as good as having them, like, one through four. And so, like... 
it, it's, a just, craft, it's a craft year, and it, I think it depends maybe on the year and the draft class. Like if there's a, it sucks when there's a bona fide number one like there is with Zion. Like we haven't had a guaranteed number one guy like this since like Anthony Davis. I know, and it's like the one, and then it switches and it just goes to a ran- the team that moved up what six spots, um, and, and and so I I don't think it's over. I think teams will still like pack it in and play their young guys and like try and improve their percentages because they're still. I mean, but once they're in that bottom three, it's not really that big of a difference. But it yeah. is. It is kind of scary that like a team like the Lakers that has LeBron could have honestly just quickly added. Yeah, no, I mean, they'll get a good player. They'll yeah, get, get a really Jared Culver, DeAndre. Um, probably, it'll be interesting to see. But like, it, it's definitely like you said, it's definitely a top of the three. There's a big jump between the first three and then the next shift of, of players. Um, so I don't think they're not getting in. Who, I mean, who knows? I could be yeah. wrong. The one thing I'll point on this, too, is very interesting. It came out today. If you notice, they did the all-rookie team, um, first and second team for the NBA. The first team all-rookie, I don't know if this has ever happened before, were the top first five picks in last year's draft. Wow. One through five. So Trey Young, Luka, Ayton, Bagley, and uh, Triple J, hey. Jared Jackson, they – they were the first team all rookie. So like I don't think that's ever happened. I would bet that it has. It'd be hard to and then and then you look like Kevin Knox was the Knicks pick, doesn't make it, and then Mitchell Robinson, their second round pick, makes the second makes team. It. So yeah. it's I mean, part I don't say it's a crapshoot, but I mean last year it's pretty much yeah, stuck out to it stuck out the plan. So I, mean, I don't think that's gonna happen this year. I think no. probably three out of the five will get there. It sucks for like a team like the Wizards. <laughs> the Wizards dropped down ninth. They were thinking they were going to be able to get like a DeAndre Hunter or a Jarrett Culver. Yeah, they're going to fall. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Obviously, we'll dive into it more with our, our mock draft episode. Our buddy but, Ed. Um, yeah. Last last thing I will touch on. Yeah. Beautiful to see. I have to always get a Virginia note in. Carson Edwards and Ty Jerome have have the like the biggest bromance now. They had interviews together. It's like my favorite player is this guy. My favorite. It's always it's kind of like Ty's kick Kyle guy to the rocks. But it is uh, – into the first round, the one I don't know is – it's going to be interesting where both those guys go because they're very different players, but they're both going to, like, fill us the same role, like, on a, on a team. Carson Edwards, Ty Jerome. The, I, can't, the I can't wait for our I – can't, I can't wait for the NBA draft so we can actually dig into all these top 15 picks and really There's see what – I don't know, man. I just – Whatever. We can't even get into it now. Um, all right. We're going to be joined by the head men's basketball coach at Cushing Academy right now, James Cormier. Without further ado, let's get into it. All right. We are now joined by James Cormier, the head coach at Cushing Academy. James, what's good, brother? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on the, uh, the podcast here. Yeah, of course, man. We're looking forward long to... Long time uh, coming. <laughs> long time coming, I know. Um, I apologize for having Billy O on before... He sent me a text super early, made sure I got him on. Um, so, appreciate you coming. Um, want to give the listeners a quick recap and, and like, breakdown of your career and, uh, and your come up, um, starting with, you know, that famous win over uh, Syracuse with you balling out at LeMoyne and all the way here to Cushing. So, for people that don't know your background, you know, how did you get to be the head coach at Cushing Academy? Uh, yeah, so I started out at LeMoyne. Um, definitely the probably the most iconic victory we had was uh, an exhibition game um, over the Orange Men at the Dome. So definitely an exciting time. We were a great team. Um, I went to prep school myself, so three years with Paul at Trumbull High School, and then I repeated my junior year at prep school. So that's 
kind of how the uh, the prep thing came full circle. But yeah, my time at Lemoyne was great. Learned a lot from Coach Steve Evans. Um, Pops was a coach, so always knew I would end up in the coaching business at some capacity. Um, and again, learned a ton from Coach Evans at Lemoyne. Graduated from there in 2012. Went on and worked with Joe Lochran in New Jersey at Rutgers Newark, which is a D3 school. Um, good program. He's been to a couple NCAA tournaments. He started off as a young coach. He's the um, the person who taught me all about the grind of college basketball and what it would take to have success. So, um, again, a lot of credit to him. We ended up going to the NCAA tournament that year. It was a great, great success. Um, and then I went on and joined uh, John Carroll at Northfield Mount Hermon, who probably has the best uh, combination of academics and basketball prep situation in the country, um, sending more kids to the Ivy League than any state over the last 10 years besides Texas and California. You said any – oh, my. I was just going to follow up, and then you answered the question. Any state won prep school? Yes, for basketball. So, oh, you know, God. Obviously, yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Not too bad. Yep. So so I had a lot of success there. Spent a couple weeks um, as the number one team in, in the country in the prep ranks there. Um, again, just learned a lot about philosophy and, and culture and um, recruiting and, you know, the academic side of things and, and selling that piece to parents. And then I went on to Dartmouth, joined my old man there, who was the head coach at the time. Um, we had Alex Matola and Gabis, who, Gabis Maldunas, who were both all-league players, scored a 1,000. Um, while I was there, we also had Miles Wright, who got Rookie of the Year that year. Made it to the first postseason tournament in 56 years for Dartmouth, so it was a successful year. And then, um, you know, typical college basketball situation, UAD comes in and we get, you know, had an okay year the following year, got another rookie of the year in Evan Bedrell, who played well for Purdue this year, ended up going there after a grad transfer situation. Um, and then we got canned. So that's how um, I was fortunate enough to, you know, the timing worked out and, and Cushing opened up in, in mid to late August and interviewed. It was a quick, quick process, inherited a terrific team, and uh, here I am. How do you, um, you know, you and I had somewhat similar, um, you know, get getting into the game. Obviously, you played, and then I went the manager route, and then we were both GAs and the whole thing. Um, do you think that's still going to be the pathway into college basketball moving forward, or are people going to go about it a different way? Um, you know, for a long time, I think the GA is a great way of doing it. I think you really learn the game. Um, I think a lot of people have had success going the AAU route, kind of latching out with a player or two, or, or sometimes you being like a trainer slash coach. Um, and finding their way onto a college bench that way. I just, in my opinion, I think you learn all aspects of college basketball um, and what it takes to have success in that GA role. Um, so if I'm ever fortunate enough to be a head coach at the next level, Division One, Two, or Three, I think I would try and target guys who have had that, that similar background. Yeah, no doubt. I agree. Um 
so obviously I've I've had the chance the past couple of years to to coach high school and AAU here in New York and there's there's constantly talk about New York City being the mecca. Um, now whether it's the mecca and the pro and college level that's another conversation. But in your opinion, is New York does New York City still hold the top spot for high school hoops? So I, I'm not sure that they hold the top spot. I think they probably have the most talent born and raised out of New York City and, and Long Island area. Um, and, and even upstate, as you get into Albany and Syracuse, a lot of good players. So, so the whole state in general has, has a lot of talent. Um, I think the emergence of the NEPSAC in prep school basketball, not just the NEPSAC, but the pop-ups uh, as of late. Putnam Science is a hell of a job. Woodstock's terrific. Um, all those guys are doing a good job running their programs um, and attracting a lot of New York City's talent. Um, I think the glory of the prep school is one, you can work fall, winter, and spring with your guys, developing them in the weight room and on the floor. Um, you get a, a large group of kids that are highly motivated, both academically and basketball-wise, uh, in the same space. And that gives college coaches a chance to, you know, potentially recruit five to 15 players depending on what school you're going to open gym or, or a game or, or practice during the season at, um, you know, eligible guys that they could recruit. Um, New York City, I think that, it, it, you know, again, and if you look at the AAU teams coming out of New York City, I'd say, I'd say they're still amongst the top in the country with PSA, with what Jay David's done in the Jayhawks. Um, even Riverside is a gauntlet gold team this year. So, you know, a t- ton of success. Rens, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they got, the, they got the history for sure, and I think that plays a part of it. Um, I think some, to your point, though, like born and raised, like there's still so many kids that go to high school or even middle school. Let's say they go, they live and play in New York until they're a freshman, and then they transfer somewhere else and go to a bigger high school. New York City doesn't necessarily get the credit for that. Should they? Like, is it where you start or where you finish? That's a good point. Um, It's a case-by-case situation, um, in my opinion, because, you know, that New York mentality, that confidence, that toughness, um, playing against older guys growing up in the park, I think, is where you learn that stuff. So I think that quality definitely comes um, inherently from growing up in that environment. But a lot of, like, the, you know, maybe understanding the game, maybe some skill development, that stuff, you know, you got to give credit as you get older um, and you start talking more offensive concepts and um, real team dynamic um, scenarios. I think the prep schools maybe are to be credited for that type of stuff. Um, and again, I'm a prep school coach who mm-hmm. has several New York players on the, uh, on his team now. So uh, that, that's that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, you're a good recruiter. Um, all right, <laughs> so I want to talk about the transfer market because it's gotten crazier and crazier and, and the number continues to go up every single year. Um, two questions. One, do you think it's slowing down anytime soon? And two, what are the main causes of these players transferring? Because it's no longer, you know, back in the day, it was a lot of 
I thought it was. I think it was two things. It was like one um, high major to high major, right? Like they didn't like the coach, or the coach got fired, or whatever, and they and they stayed at that level. Or the second thing was, um, you know, maybe they got over recruited a little and they can't play at that level and they got forced out. But now you've seen any reason at all to leave. Um, it's kind of insane. So again, will it ever slow down? And two, what do you think the main causes are? Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think it's, you know, the um, the nature of the kids that we work with. They don't want to deal with adversity. They're quick to um, turn away from their problems opposed to addressing them and fighting through and, you know, having that grit or resolve or um, whatever. So I think the kids and, and, you know, the coaches, they need to do a better job as we, we raise these kids through the ranks on um, teaching teaching them and putting them in scenarios where they're, they're, they're dealing with adversity and they're able to overcome it and persevere and, and come out on the back end and, you know, um, have success. But um, I also think that the way it's set up, it's almost like a free agent market. Like a kid can be, you know, a, a bit discouraged at one thing or another and just throw his name out there and, and see who's who wants to bite. Um, which, which in my opinion, isn't is a problem that the NCAA needs to address because there needs to be some sort of penalty if the kids are just going out there and throwing out feelers, seeing who's still interested, and then making a decision based on that. Because then the the school that you're potentially transferring from is handcuffed. They don't know are you staying, you leaving? Can we recruit your spot? Do you know how do we address our team for next year? Yeah, I, I think kids just love the attention, right? They love getting recruited. That's like a fun, you know. Every, yeah, it's like you you got to a school, maybe it didn't go well. Exactly like your point. Like let's see, let's see what my name is. Let, let's see where I land in the market and go from there and get recruited all over. Again. And that recruitment process is probably the most glamorous part of it all. I mean, yeah. they're being wooed and swooned and like the whole process. And then, all right, when it comes down to business, you gotta get to work. That all did. I mean, that disappears. Like yeah. you're you're in it yeah. then, and then there's got, and then I, I guess there's some maybe that find that fleeting and they want to get back to it. But and I think obviously that with the the addition of the portal and just make the ease of access of of finding who's available, putting just simply just putting their name in to kind of test the waters, it just makes it even easier for these kids. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. So last thing I want to talk about. Um, you know, obviously the teams that you've had uh, in the past, you've had ridiculous success uh, the past couple years. Um, who are you bringing in this year uh, player-wise, and, and how do you think your team will stack up to the teams that you've had? Um, well, fortunately, we have a great returning core, um, the best returning core I've had by far. Spensley Joseph uh, started this year as a sophomore, and, um, you know, he has – five or six high majors and probably 10 or 15 calling. He plays with Expressions 17U. Um, Terrence Clark is, is his backcourt mate. He's the number three ranked player in the country. Um, I might argue he's, he's number one in the class of 2021. Um, so he'll continue to get attention, you know, having success and playing alongside him. And, and he's just a, he's a charismatic, um, high energy plays both sides of the ball improving shot maker true point just like a throwback tough kid um love having him in the program love having him at cushion 
Um, he's going to be a nice leader for us next year. Alexis Reyes, he's a 6'6 wing, um, can guard four positions, can play four positions offensively, really drills it, has a nose for the ball. You know, not like the highest level athlete, but improvement in that area, willing to put in work to maximize what he's what he's um, been given. And um, again, a high level scorer. Uh, the third guy is Malachi Endure. He's from Canada. Those two kids are, are both from um, Boston. Um, Bensley from Arlington and, and Alexis from Roxbury. And then Malachi is from just outside of Toronto. He's a 6 eight kid. He'll probably have offers from all of the Ivy Leagues. He has an offer from URI. And, um, again, he's a versatile big. He, he can bang with a five-man defensively. Um, but on offense, he'll face up and can shoot the three, can make plays for others, um, you know, put it down and get to the rim from, from the perimeter as well. So those three guys I'm really excited about. They know the culture. They know my expectations. Having them to lean on is going to be a huge asset moving forward. Um, and, again, we got some good, great role players coming back too. So uh, I'm excited about that. But the two kids – that I'm most excited about that are, are going to be upperclassmen, are, um, or, or I guess one of them is upperclassmen, one of them is a freshman. Isaiah um, Gray, he's from the city, he plays at MLK actually in Manhattan. And uh, Paul, I, I know you saw him a little bit last summer, kind of flew under the radar, played for a, a low-level high school team in New York, and then played for a, um, you know, kind of a, not a sneaker sponsor team anyway last year. Yep. Um, but they did. They, they've done a great job developing him anyway. Yeah, really well. Um, and who's the other kid? The freshman. And the, and then Jonathan Gurrier is he's going to be a top fifty player in my opinion. He he has a ways to go, but he's a freshman, six um, four, already high high level athlete. Um, shoots the ball. Needs to you know play it, get accustomed to this level of basketball. I think. It'll take him a year or so, or at least a couple months in the fall to um, get used to the pace. But he's going to be a, a, a big time kid, and, and he's fortunate to learn from guys like Alexis and Bensley and the guys, the other guys I mentioned. Yeah, that's super important to have some upperclassmen that you're able to look up to and learn from. Um, last question: Besides your actual league play, how many games do you get to schedule a year? Like out of like I saw you played Spire. Like how many games do you get? We play. We can play 30. We typically play like 26. And then, you know, if we have a great year, four or five postseason games. Gotcha. Awesome. All right, man. Well, that's it. Um, I appreciate you coming on. This was big time. We wish you the best of luck this year, obviously. And uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing you on the golf course here soon. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate appreciate you guys having me. Big shout out to Coach Corms. Uh, everybody go give him a Twitter follow. It's at Coach J Corms, head men's basketball coach at Cushing Academy. Uh, super fun. Always good to uh, talk with old friends and guys that are just crushing it in the industry. So appreciate that. Um, what you got? I've got one last question for you. So we came out, we talked about this the other day. Um, and we're, and it's interesting. We talked about, we just talked about with James about transferring. Hauser Brothers, the report is they're transferring because Marcus Howard was too ball-dominant of a player. If you're a college basketball player, would you transfer just because of one other player on your team? Again, man, it's what he said. Like, guys can't face adversity. Like, they had a really good 
team. And so you're going to leave. Pegged as a possible Final Four team. Yeah, it's like, so you're going to leave for that and go where? Like, you don't think there are other Marcus Howard. There's a Marcus Howard everywhere. What do you mean? Yeah. There's guys who are going to be ball dominant. And not everyone can be the guy that now. Like, I know that I, I know they wouldn't it, play this year, but like, Michi- what Michigan State's one of the schools they're looking at, and it cashes Winston. It's like, yeah, it's that's like, it. Come, like, come on, Come on. Like, but it, 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 I, I just think when we're, while we're on the transfer topic like that, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of why if that really is the reason you want to leave, it's because one player has the ball too much. You, yeah, where are you going? You Maybe better... you should have some foresight into that earlier. Yeah, it's not yeah. like, I mean, so um, it's interesting. But hopefully ne- by the next episode, we'll have a location for the Hauser brothers. Yeah. We're hopefully do, we have a Michigan we man. We want to dive into, obviously, mock draft. And then we have recently, I think you tweeted out, our tiers of college basketball yep, jobs, yep, yep. which we will go dive into um, as we go through the, the race season. But um, a lot of uh, I mean, basketball, it never stops. We got playoffs. We got Golden oh, State. Golden State just again. running through it. Uh, we definitely got to talk about that. Now the hot take is uh, the two championships for Kevin Durant have an asterisk if he doesn't come back. Just ridiculous. Chris Brown. Chris, what, how do you pronounce that name? Bruce? Broussard. Broussard. He's going at him. Then Durant is coming back at him on Twitter. The so whole thing. What if, what if KD just re-signed with the Warriors? And they ended up like he ends up with six, Steph ends up with seven. They just go three more years. I don't know why they. I mean, they just do that, right? Who knows? All right. Until then, keep the ball bouncing. Deuces. Lately I've been feeling like this what I've been working towards If you ain't trying to be the boss and tell me what you working for Certain doors are closed but now they opening up Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup Pull, slush, rustles up next and I got this Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious Taking 12 shots like where the cops is, come on